0: the content is completely run on audience insights, feedback that isn't a part of your process yeah. from an ongoing basis at the beginning, yeah. the middle, and the end, you know, yeah. you're going to be creating an event for yourself more so than for your target audience.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Ankush, founder at Eventable.com, a review platform for business conferences. You're listening to the Building Awesome Events podcast. And our guest today is the very special Lauren Grady, Senior Manager, Strategic Events at Vimeo. Welcome, Lauren, to the show.
0: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Love to have you here, Lauren. Let's start from the very beginning. Uh, I see that you spent almost four years with the American Heart Association. How did that come about and how did you really make the early decision to get into the event space?
0: I did. You know, I've been in events my whole career, and it really started with an internship that I had in college with the PGA Tour, Uh Um, so the the National Golf Tournament here in the U.S. And I essentially worked on all of the events surrounding the golf tournament itself. There was a Women's Day, a Family Day, a Celebrity Tournament, a Military Appreciation Day, all of these events that surrounded it. So I kind of got a taste early on of the logistics Uh and operations and sponsorship piece But ironically, in that role as well, the other half of my job was around managing two nonprofit programs. Uh So when I graduated college, I did a stint in the wedding industry. I also tried an internship there and found that corporate events was a little bit more aligned with what I wanted to do. Uh And I saw the opportunity at the American Heart Association. It was a nice blend of my what was event experience and also a little bit of nonprofit experience. So that's really what kicked off my professional career and spent. Yeah. Four years working for the Boston chapter, um, mm-hmm. you know, working on seven different signature events, their mm-hmm. coveted Boston Marathon program and just really starting to learn the ropes.
1: And that's amazing. I think that's that's quite something going from, you know, the PGA to the wedding industry and then, you know, to events like the Boston Marathon it must have been quite a ride.
0: Yeah, it's, I always joke that I have a very versatile background because I've been in mm-hmm. nonprofit industry, pharmaceutical, B2B tech. I've done yeah. everything from operations and logistics to sponsorship to event content to executive programming. But it is nice having a kind of taste of every area just because as a whole, you can operate in a more efficient way when you understand all of the different aspects of events.
1: Absolutely. That's amazing. And, you know, uh, after this, uh, you had another long stretch with WorkHuman. How was that portfolio structured in terms of proprietary and third-party events? And what was your key role out there?
0: So my key role at WorkHuman, which is a B2B tech company, Mm -hmm. was the event content manager. So Mm -hmm. WorkHuman produces a really impressive annual conference called WorkHuman Live, and it's for HR professionals. And when I came in, they had kind of split the responsibility of that conference amongst many different people. So I was the first person to come in to really own that role in terms of, okay, you're going to own the 80 breakout sessions, the 110 speaker relationships, the eight main stage keynotes, help determine what that framework is, what the flow is going to be, who's going to speak about what, and then also very just process-oriented. What is the call for papers going to look like? Who's going to be on the vetting committee, et cetera that was a really exciting opportunity in a Uh new role at the organization. I ended up creating an internal global speakers bureau. So Uh essentially, you know, we had this annual conference, we had a bunch of regional forums and executive forums throughout the US and EMEA primarily, where we had Uh intimate conversations with groups. But then I created this internal speakers bureau to Uh really streamline all of our messaging, all of our asks to our speakers, the experience. As a whole. Uh, so that was a really great opportunity to then take on about 30 additional speaking engagements per quarter in addition mm-hmm. to our marketing events and really help kind of really form again that it was a new role at the time, what that speaker experience and mm-hmm. process is going to look like, both from an internal perspective and an external perspective.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. And we spent some time, you know, speaking about the role of event content managers. Uh, and, you know, you just spend some time talking about that. So I find that pretty interesting. That's such an important role because, you know, the programming can really make or break uh, an event, right?
0: Absolutely. And we actually, that event content council, we just had our meeting, our monthly meeting on Tuesday of this week. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the topics we were talking about, the role mm-hmm. of the event content manager and how some organizations see it as a nice to have versus a yeah. need to have. So we got into a really great conversation about, being the voice of the attendee and really being the expert on Mm -hmm. how attendees engage with content, the same way marketing teams have individuals who are experts on how their target audience engages with an email or all of the other, you know, channels. Mm -hmm. And the event content manager is really the expert on how they engage with. Either live content or, or on-demand content, and the need for that yeah. these days. It was a really interesting conversation amongst about fifteen or twenty of us that were in that meeting.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And what we are trying to build out, um, you know, with our platform at Eventable is at the end of that process. You know, as an event content manager, you've put in all the hard work. You know, you've roped in some great speakers, you've programmed some good topics. You know, finally, you want to know what attendees have thought about the event, right? So our platform is it's a neutral platform where they can finally come and voice. You know, their opinions on what they actually thought about the event, what bits they like, what speakers they like, and so on. So I think that really completes the loop. And I'm sure feedback is very important for you, right? You probably uh, run an internal survey, you want to take in feedback. Uh, and what we provide is, is the other part of the coin, where, where people are expressing on an online forum, online platform, their opinions about the event that you just programmed.
0: A hundred percent. And I mean, at the end of the day, people go to an event. Mm And at least from a corporate side, really Uh for the content. You know, the experience brings it alive, but they are attending based on content. They're getting approval for budget based off of content and what the takeaways. So if you're gonna double down on any area, for me, you know, it's really the core of the entire experience. And to your point, the content is completely run on audience insights, feedback. It's if you that isn't a part of your process yeah. from an ongoing basis. At the beginning, yeah. the middle, and the end, you know yeah. you're going to be creating an event for yourself more so than for your target
1: audience. Yes, absolutely. Well said, uh, Lauren. Well, finally, Lauren, let's just you know move to the event tech side of things with uh, Visabo. That's the organization that you moved on to after Workhuman, and that must have been a little crazy, right? I mean, tell us about that because that's a sector really on an unpredictable edge right now, you know, with in-person events, starting to surge so much once again. And a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with these companies. So what was your uh, ringside view like? You know, what was the inside view like uh, working with Visible?
0: Sure. So it was interesting, you know, as an event professional, I'm, you know, use a lot of different event technology and then kind of being on the other side of the house working for an event tech organization. You know, mm-hmm. there's been obviously a lot of uncertainty in events and just in general, a lot of experimentation in the event yep. tech space over okay. the last 2 years. Right. The biggest trend I would say that I've seen is around tech consolidation across the board. So whether it's SMBs or it's enterprise companies, people want to consolidate the amount of tech that they're using to fuel their events and their marketing. Uh So what that domino effect has is there's this additional layer of scrutiny that comes with people evaluating solutions because they're looking to use You know, hopefully one to two tools or platforms to do all of the things for them. Uh So, with that being said, I also experienced a lot of just blanket statements in the industry as a whole. You know, when Uh the pandemic came about, we heard a lot of people say in person events are dead. You know, we'll right. never see an in-person event again. And now yeah. what we're starting to hear is, are virtual events dead? Do we not need virtual anymore? And I really yeah. sit the future as a healthy mix of the two. Yeah. Neither is, is 100% going to go away. It's just how we decide to leverage them as mm-hmm. event marketers will change with the times and mm-hmm. depending on attending stakeholder needs. So yeah. those were my two biggest takeaways. It was everyone's trying to, to consolidate their technology. Mm. So on the tech side, that's why you're really seeing people yeah. have to kind of the lane and what they're going to double down on and, and add value with, and on the mm-hmm. other side, you know, on the the more event professional individual side people are kind of quick to try to decide what the future is going to be when yeah. in reality it's going to be a mix of things you know now that I'm at Vimeo it's opened up my eyes you know to almost a whole other world of the power of video and how that right. plays a role in both executing events and marketing of events that's kind of opened up a whole new world as well yeah. and, and I'm learning a lot being on month two about just yeah. the role that video now plays in both in-person and virtual events which is really exciting too you
1: know I think just to go go back a little bit uh, i'm not sure whether you know in person ever died or you know whether it was just companies like visabo and the other event tech companies just proclaiming that in person events are dead because seeing the surge in in person and the return that's happening right now it always feels that you know uh, people always felt event professionals felt this was a comfort level and this is where they really want to get back to
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in-person events are back more so than ever. And, you know, Bizabo is a company that powers in-person, virtual and hybrid events. So they were very much on the side of power of choice Mm -hmm. and it's in the hands of the organizer. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we've seen an increase. It's like 300% increase in 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 in-person events. So they're definitely back and they're here to stay. And now people are wondering about virtual, but virtual certainly has its place as well. Mm
1: Absolutely. So from a tech perspective, you've worked at VisaBo, and, you know, now because there are like a gazillion tech platforms out there, if you were in the market, I mean, what were some of the qualities that you would look at prior to making a purchase decision uh, for an event tech or a event management product?
0: So outside of just them having the, you know, basic functionalities mm-hmm. that we would need mm-hmm. tied and aligned to our event and the level of yeah. support, I really look at their roadmap. I mean, that's one of the questions if I'm interviewing an event tech company, what is your yeah. roadmap? What Mm -hmm. do you have on the docket for the next 12 to 24 months? And Mm -hmm. how fast and efficient are you able to implement feedback from your customers? Right. Our world is changing so rapidly that Mm -hmm. I want to know that all of my partners in my partner and vendor ecosystem are two steps ahead of me when it comes to predicting what the next best thing is going to be by the time I meet the functionality as an event leader, you know, if I go to them and it's going to take another 12 months for them to implement it, I need them to be ahead of me so that when Mm -hmm. I do come to them, it's already been on their radar. And I want to know how fast they are able, obviously it spans, but to implement that feedback is the average, you know, six months, is it three Mm -hmm. months? So that's something that's really, really important. And also just understanding you know, what are the recent challenges that they have had with some of their mm-hmm. customers? I want to know the top two or three most you know, recent times yeah. that there was a lag with their yeah. broadcast. If something didn't work, right. it was supposed to, the why behind mm-hmm. it, what bug it yeah. was, Fast it was to for them yeah. to fix it. How it was communicated to the customer. Yeah. So all of those things are just really important. Nothing is ever going to work hundred percent with technology. So yeah. it's understanding how they operate in those scenarios, in addition to what their roadmap and how innovative they are.
1: Absolutely, and I, I you know, I can see you being a tough customer for these guys. You know, with all <laughs> of these questions. You know, I think. Uh, someone's going to be sharing some tears soon.
0: <laughs> oh so, no! Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you all—I pride myself on being a good partner as well. And once you have enough experience in the space, I think yeah. you have to start
1: asking the hard-hitting questions. Yeah, show them some uh, tough love. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, Lauren, in terms of traditional marketing, um, how do you really create awareness for your events? What are some of the channels that you think work best around audience acquisition or working the demand pipeline? Um, Has this been a cross-functional activity uh, so far for you and how how involved have you been with this?
0: So from a zoomed out perspective, you, yeah. know, you really want to set your appropriate air coverage on your mm-hmm. event. So organic and paid social, paid ads in some cases, you'd have to follow the data there if it makes sense or not to really yeah. just get that general awareness. Email yeah. marketing, email is always going to be number one in terms of what drives the most registrations. I'd be shocked if you talk to anyone where email was not the number one source of registration. No, you're, you're absolutely right.
1: Everyone else spoken to us and email is the number one channel.
0: A hundred percent. So if you're going to perfect one area... It's perfect email. So in terms of take the time with segmentation, with your Mm -hmm. list, with your copy, really track results and the click-through rates, make updates. If things are not performing and aren't comparable with industry benchmarks, if you're seeing below a 2% click-through rate, Mm -hmm. go back. Try something different. I mean, that's really the area you want to nail. But then as you kind of zoom out, so you have the air coverage of your organic and paid social and ads. Mm -hmm. You have your number one driver. You've perfected your your email campaigns. You want to use all of your other events in your portfolio to work for you. So if you have monthly webinars, the bookend Mm -hmm. of each of those webinars at the start and the end, you should be promoting your annual conference that's coming up. You want to really tie all of those events together, especially if the audience is, is similar. And then, you know, continuing to zoom out from there, um, or actually I should say zoom in, is really the personal invitation. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of noise out there. There are a lot of events. There's a lot of marketing. You have your air coverage. You tied it yeah. in and you're putting through, you know, your own events. But now you're working with your go-to-market team and your mm-hmm. executives. Set right. those personal invitations and really making sure people are seeing that and understanding it. So to your question, mm-hmm. it's hugely cross-functional in mm-hmm. terms of who brings this all together. Um, yeah. But it's all important to know your audience and, and, of course, the event that you're targeting. If you're targeting executives, that one-on-one invitation mm-hmm. is going to be how you're going to get them there. Versus if you yeah. have a fifteen thousand person event, you you know you have to be sending a lot of frequent communications to your full database to get to them. Right,
1: Absolutely. And when you say one on one, um, you know, invitations, is is that also email or, you know, do you send something out?
0: It can be. It can be email. So you have your standard marketing Mm -hmm. push, but then you have different email copy or copy or if they use outreach, outreach sequence sequences. Your sales. So that could be just be shorter copy. Maybe there's something more special or behind the scenes that you're sharing with them. It could also be a call script that you're giving them. It could also be a LinkedIn copy Mm -hmm. that you're giving them. So I think giving them a toolkit of resources is really important, but knowing that they are also going to rely heavily on email as well.
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of valuable takeaways uh, in there for the event marketers uh, listening in Lauren, if someone wants to join your team, what are some of the key attributes you'll be looking for?
0: There are a few things. I think at a high level, someone's passion, their drive, and their curiosity, that's ultimately going to take them way beyond the role that they're interviewing for. So if they have that, there's the potential for them to do so much within your team and your organization yeah. I also think just from kind of these three pillars, if you will, their ability to be strategic, to always be able to think more, look at the big picture and tie things back to, to business results and business yep. goals is important. Mm-hmm. While second kind of pillar is that they're they're still executional, they're still a doer, they're still someone who can take a vision and make it come to life and to do the small tasks and the micro yeah. tasks, mm-hmm. you know, to to order to accomplish things. Yep. And the third, process oriented. So Not only to be more efficient for your team, but I have found that people who come in that are very organizational and have great process for Mm. things, it positively impacts the wider company. So what they tend to do with how they run meetings and and the resources they provide and how they Mm. kick off a project or an event, it starts to have this domino effect. So someone that has that skill not only helps your team, but it will help your wider organization. And then lastly, I would just say... The one question that I always have in an interview, in it, regardless of the role, is someone's ability to influence and influence right. for impact. So much of our jobs at this yeah. point are mobilizing internal teams and managing key stakeholders that mm-hmm. I always want to know that they have the ability if there are right. lots of different perspectives in order to get a group of people to move forward in a productive way or if we really yeah. need to re- course, you know, a certain mythology that they're able to influence both internally and externally. You know, that's really key to be successful, I think, in any role today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that, uh, you know, what you just described, influence for impact. I think that is so important. Uh, And otherwise, I think, you know, you pretty much described the perfect candidate out there. Um, (laughs) You know, so tough customer, tough manager, you know, whoever is listening in wants to work with Lauren and think, you know, you check all these boxes and there are a lot of boxes Uh, feel free to write to us.
0: Yeah. And Uh, I mean, so you don't have to have all the boxes. Like I said, at the foundation, if you have the passion, the drive and the curiosity, whether you have the number of years experience or everything on that list, you Uh can make it far and you can definitely, you know, reach the person that you're interviewing with and and strike that potential chord in alignment with them.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, on on that note, um, you know, do you want to give a shout out to the one person you think who's really helped you in your own career? No,
0: Oh my gosh, I have so many amazing mentors. Mm -hmm. I've been really lucky that even my direct managers in all of my roles, Mm -hmm. you know, my first manager from American Heart Association, he's still an unbelievable mentor to me. He now works at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute Is the AVP there. My wow. direct manager at work, WorkHuman, um, when I first got into the content space and the VP there really showed me the ropes. And most recently, my manager who both at Visible and Vimeo now, Devin Cleary, is a, is a huge influencer in the mm-hmm. events industry space. If you yeah. don't follow him on LinkedIn, I highly recommend it. But oh, I do. I yeah. do. We've
1: spoken. Yeah, I know Devin. Oh, yeah. Great.
0: Yeah, Yeah, he just is full (laughs) of not only life, but innovation. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's so creative. So I'm really lucky to be able to take a lot from all of
1: those individuals. Yeah. Shout out to you, Devin. Uh, Well done. Finally, Lauren, uh, you know that we are the world's first review platform for B2B events, and our goal is to help event marketers further their brands through the power of social proof and community marketing. Uh, what really does social proof mean to you? How important is it in your arsenal? And, you know, do you think your attendees really care about it? Oh, social proof is is hugely powerful.
0: And I think for the majority of our marketing and materials, whether it's our landing page, our emails, I always strive to include testimonials, quotes, images, anything that's going to speak to that. It mm-hmm. just adds a layer of credibility. I mean, even looking at products all the products out there, you're much more um, likely to try something that a family member or a friend has approved or recommended. So it's very much the same in the event space. And, Mm -hmm. you know, events are are very similar because people are becoming cautious with how they spend Mm -hmm. their time and their resources. So Mm -hmm. I would just say that a seamless way to kind of incorporate social proof also into into your process is if you can a handful of one-on-one interviews after your event wraps up. Identify executives who attended, identify a few customers, identify Mm -hmm. a few speakers. You can conduct those one-on-one interviews with them to not only take feedback back to the team to incorporate, but then you have that documented. So naturally, when they have a positive you know, testimonial or endorsement Mm -hmm. about your event, when you're planning your next event, you can go back to that and ask them for permission to use that quote to put their name or their company and attribute it to it. So Mm -hmm. that's one example to bake it into the process. And then obviously you have your product that kind of does that naturally for people as well, where they can go there and they can see, you know, what people have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what used to be, uh, you know, word of mouth probably for an older generation or maybe for our parents is now probably an online review. You know, I mean, it's, It really follows you around in all facets of of your life.
0: A hundred percent. Yep.
1: All right. Well, uh, that's it from us. Uh, Thanks so much, Lauren. I think there's a lot of uh, useful nuggets in here that, you know, prospective event marketers, uh, folks listening in uh, will want to really dig into. Thank you so much. Has been a real pleasure chatting with you today.
0: Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope we can chat again.
1: Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much. Bye.